Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Let's go right to it. 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When is it appropriate for true fans to leave? Now, I was at that debacle of a baseball game yesterday. And it was kind of interesting because it's they're, they're playing the worst. The Brewers coming off a big road trip. They're four and two. They're uh, they were ahead of the, uh, the Chicago Cubs in the Central Division for a game. You're thinking, okay, this could be the start of something special. They trot out Chase Anderson to be the starting pitcher, and with two outs in the first inning, he gives up a, a two run home run. And you could kind of in the stands. And I was there. You could sort of feel the balloon come out of a lot of the air. People went, oh, oh, oh. But all right, maybe they're going to come back. This is the Florida Marlins. It's the worst team in baseball. And it, it was interesting. I was there, and they, they happened to be free tickets. I, I'm a 20-pack season ticket holder, and the Brewers, if you buy 20, they give you one. So my buddy and I, we're, we're there. This was our free one. And even though it was free, as it turns out, I'd like to have my money back. So, okay, they're behind two to nothing. All right, but all right, they can come back. So then in the third inning, two to nothing behind, then Chase Anderson, who's on the mound, gives up a couple other home runs. I mean, it was just boom, boom. I mean, I felt bad for the people in the left field bleachers because I was hoping they were wearing hard hats. Balls were flying out so hard. So, okay, it's four to nothing. And, but you're, you're still, okay, this is the worst team in baseball. Maybe they can, maybe they can come back. Maybe the Brewers can mount a comeback. They can do it. And then the fifth inning rolls around and if you have not been following this the fifth inning I I was actually I almost never do this but I started sending out tweets during the course of the fifth inning the Miami Marlins scored 11 runs in the fifth inning let's put this in perspective this was the most runs that this team had ever scored in one inning in the history of their franchise and this goes back, I mean, they, they actually, you know, they, they were in the World Series a couple times and things like that. This was the most runs that they had ever scored in the history of their franchise. I swear, I have never, I was going to say I've never seen an inning like this. Well, that's not true because I used to go to my nephew's Little League baseball games when they were 7 and 8. And yeah, and I'd see people score 11 runs in an inning. But I've never seen a professional team give up 11 runs in one inning. And it was, I mean, the, the pitching was awful. The fielding was awful. I mean, the Brewers just, they, they looked absolutely terrible. So by the end of the top of the fifth inning, it's 15 to nothing. I mean, they are behind by two touchdowns and a field goal, right? So my, my buddy is one of the diehard, true blue Brewers fans. He, he, he just is. And he's one of these guys that stays till the last out. 
He stays to the last out. And sometimes it'll be, you know, nights that are like school nights for me where I got to work the next day. We'll be there and it's kind of like, okay, they're, they're ahead or they're behind by four or five runs. And my friend Evan, he doesn't want to leave. He says, you know, fans don't leave. You stay and support your team to the bitter end or, you know, et cetera. And I'm going, okay, but the game's been going four hours, but all right, I'm a good buddy. I, I, I stay. Okay, so in the middle of the fifth inning, after the Brewers had turned in this absolutely embarrassing performance in the first five innings, that's what it was. And I, I understand you have bad nights and stuff, but it was just absolutely horrible. My buddy Evan turns to me, and I think for the first time in all the years that we have been going to baseball games, and this probably is like 40 years, he turns to me and says, I'm ready to leave whenever you are. And then I say, well, of course, you know, if, if they come back and score 16 runs, we're going to miss the greatest comeback in baseball history. And then we both laughed. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit, when, when I watch... When I watch show, when I watch sporting events on television and I watch like people that are, are there, the home teams losing at the basketball game or the home teams losing at Lambeau Field and fans start leaving the game with a couple minutes left, I'm always thinking, oh, that's really got to be kind of disappointing and disheartening. And if, and if you're a fan, maybe you should stay to the bitter end. Last night, we left after five innings. 414 799 1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When is it appropriate to, to, to leave? When the game, and I guess my question is, yesterday, early on, this game, it was just out of reach. The Brewers played an absolutely El Stinko game. Um, are you not a fan if you bail after four and a half or five innings, recognizing that the game's outcome just isn't going to change over the next four innings, and hopefully they'll get them tomorrow night. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. All right. Do true fans leave before the end of the game? Because I always thought of myself as a true baseball fan, but to tell you the truth, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're this game is completely out of reach. It is really, really ugly, and uh, I'm much better off beating whatever crowd there is getting home early and you're know, drinking my own beer instead of beer that I got to pay eight or nine or ten dollars a bottle for four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is it is it okay to leave early when the game is out of hand four one four seven nine nine one six twenty we discuss in just a moment this is Jeff Wagner Jeff Wagner on WTMJ <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. And by the way, this isn't bandwagon jumping. It's just last night was one of the worst baseball games I have ever attended, at least from the perspective of as a fan of a team. Brewers just got whumped by the worst team or one of the worst teams in baseball, 16 to zip. I left after the fifth inning. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Hi, Dave. I don't think it's wrong at all. I mean, perfectly honest, I mean, you I mean, like you said, you might as well save your money and just start to, you know, beat the crowd and, and whatever right. else. I don't know what the I don't know what the crowd was there. I'm sure it was probably in the thirty thousand. Right? Yeah, about twenty. I think they announced it as twenty five thousand. But let me let me put it like this: after after the top of the fifth inning, <laughs> people started heading for the exits. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta if, you know you play the law of averages, and it's really what's kind of what's really what's the point. I mean, I I've done that, and I've left the Packers game when it was so lopsided. It's like you know what. Might as well just head out. I can listen to it on the way back, right? And whatever, because yeah, if they come back, well, then it sucks to be me. 
Yeah, right, then you would have missed one of the greatest comebacks ever. But I, if you were at the game last night, trust me, you knew they weren't coming back. It just wasn't going to happen. But no, the, just, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, when the wheels are off, the wheels are off. Yeah, right, right. They, actually, I've, may, I've been making the argument to some people today, as painful and as awful as that game was yesterday, I would imagine for a team psyche, it, maybe it's better just to get clobbered like that than to lose a game where the other team comes back with three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning and wins three to two. Because, you know, that's kind of hard to take. You could have won the game. I mean, yesterday, you just look at it and say, okay, we, we didn't have it. We stunk. It's an aberration. Turn the page, and hopefully we'll get them tonight. Here's some text. Jeff. My son and I were at the game last night. I consider myself a true fan, but we left after the seventh inning. It was such a pathetic performance, we couldn't subject ourselves to it any more. Um, let's see. Jeff, would you have stayed if the score tilted the other way in favor of the Brewers? Eh, maybe, maybe. Um, I think this way says you stay until you are no longer entertained. I think that's a very good point of it um yeah you stay until you're entertained and and believe me there was nothing entertaining from the perspective of a brewers fan about what they did yesterday hopefully it'll be different tonight jeff with the packers we've learned no lead or deficits are safe but with the brewers we usually give them seven innings before departing last night i'm with you though i would have left in the middle of the fifth jeff this is from Harry. I was watching at home. I changed the channel and watched something else. Yeah. Um, you know, my guess is, um, you know, my guess is that there were a lot of people that were doing that. Jeff, Brewers ahead 16 to nothing or behind 16 to nothing. I'm out of there after the fifth inning. I'd rather see a nice close game um, with both sides than a blowout. I think I'd be the same way with the Packers or the Bucks. No, the truth is I think that I would stay longer if it would be more enjoyable if they were winning would i stay necessarily all nine innings probably not here's one jeff my son and i were at the game last night i consider myself a true fan but we left after the seventh inning it was such a pathetic performance we couldn't subject ourselves to any more well there is something to be said about that but see that's that's one of the great things about baseball. You don't have to wait a week for another game. I mean, there's another game tonight, and they've got a chance to rectify it. Kevin texts, Jeff, is it okay to leave early? Yeah, not all the time, though. When do you know when it's time to leave early? Um, he says, you'll know it when you see it. You saw it yesterday. Yeah, that's that That was kind of it. I think that was the reaction my, my friend had. It was just like, this is... You know, we're, we're sitting here and it's just, it's just bad baseball and it's not going to turn around and it doesn't mean we're not fans and it doesn't mean we're not going back and hope that Jimmy Nelson has a great game tonight. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're giving up on the Brewers. It was just that in a 162 game season, chances are you're going to probably see a couple real stinkers. And that was a stinker last night. When we come back, good parenting or child abuse. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Oh, yes. I, I got a number of texts. I made a reference. I, I know this guy who was at the game yesterday. He, he's he's a beer aficionado. I met him through the beer world. He sends out these newsletters about all these different beers. And as a gift, somebody got him front row tickets next to front row Amy. 
and and he was there last night. I I didn't I didn't work my way over to see him, but she was dressed in like this pink stuff, and he was sitting next to her in like this white outfit. And, and he he was still there at the end because I, I I got home. Okay, I left in the fifth inning, so I'm I'm home. I'm kind of flicking around the TV channels. I turn it there, and there's my buddy. Yeah, he's he's sitting next to front row of me, and they were there till the bitter end. So I guess th- those are true fans. I will be back there tonight, though, cheering the Brewers on. All right. Some people think this is child abuse. Other people think it is good parenting. Here's the latest example of parents publicly shaming their kids. This happened on Saturday. Now, the story comes to us from South Florida, but it is a universal type of story. Um, a woman driving by an intersection in Coral Springs, busy intersection, sees a mother out on the the intersect out on like the the corner of the intersection you know there'll be a little bit of a like a triangle where the the um a, a concrete triangle by where the stoplights are and traffic goes straight or traffic can spin off to the right and the the woman is out there and it's not uncommon around here by the way you know maybe you'll find that the panhandlers and stuff on those spaces well in this case it's a woman and she's there with her daughter the daughter looks to me like she's kind of a tween um i guess she could be a teenager but my guess is she's a little bit younger if i had she, she's not we're not talking about a six or seven year old my guess is we're talking about somebody 12 13 14 kind of in that age range and, and this all goes public because somebody takes again pulls out their phone takes a cell phone video of it but the woman is standing out on this kind of median strip area with her tween daughter and the daughter is holding a sign the sign says large sign she's holding the sign it says quote i lied i humiliated myself and my mother end quote and it appears that there's other family members that are over on, on the sidewalk but this gal i mean she's she's on the median strip and she's got the sign and she's displaying the sign to motorists that walk by all right so predictably you got all these people who drive by so predictably you've got all these people that are driving by number of people take cell phone videos one woman takes a cell phone video and posts it and then this starts the huge controversy about is this in fact child abuse are you d- endangering the child by having the child stand with you on this median strip holding the sign? And more importantly, are you risking psychologically scarring the child because she's there holding this sign that says, I lied, I humiliated myself and my mother? I, I You know, the woman, the, the mother isn't talking about what it was that the kid did. So I don't know what it was that caused the mother to make the girl go out and stand and hold the sign. But this is an example of clearly public shaming. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't, as a matter of general policy, have a problem with this. I mean, this was clearly the mother's way to try to get the attention of, of the kid. I don't know. My guess is other stuff had probably gone on before and that they were kind of at their wits end because I don't know that you necessarily do this as a starting point. But regardless, I mean, I I think that there is a value to public shaming in this particular situation. And if grounding the kid or if taking away her phone privileges, if that hasn't worked or you don't think it's going to work, 
I don't see anything wrong with having this kid stand out in public saying, all right, I've done something to embarrass or humiliate myself and my mother. And if that means that, okay, the girl's going to be embarrassed, well, too bad. Maybe she won't do it again. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage talk and text line. Is this going too far? Did the mother, well, was the mother essentially engaging in a form of child abuse by making the kids stand out there, hold the sign, saying that she had done what she had done? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I don't think the child, from what I'm seeing in the video, doesn't look like she's in any sort of physical danger. Yeah, they're, they're, they're on a median strip around traffic, but the mother's right there. And my understanding is there's other family members that are on the sidewalk that are watching this. So to the extent that there is damage, it is psychological damage. Did the mother go too far? My answer would be no. What do you think? 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back. This is going to be an interesting conversation, I think. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jack and Racine. Jack, you're first. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hold on a second. Here I am. Yes. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more. Actually, you know, I was reflecting on, on the public humiliation of the tween, and it just reminded me of 300 years ago in the colonies when they would put adults in, you know, stocks for uh, public humiliation, which perhaps at the time was culturally acceptable. Um, but you're proposing this for a teenager today, mm-hmm. and then simply today is emotional abuse. I would have more to say about that, but. What's your take what, on that? Then? What do you mean? I, I think you're nuts. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I, sorry, Jay. I think I you're think nuts. That was, uh, well, he got I, me off guard. I, I mean, thanks Thanks for calling. I mean, no, my, my, that's my, thanks for calling. I mean, my take is I, I think that that's nuts, emotional abuse. Now, look, I, I understand that, that there's, that kids are subjected to emotional uh, uh, abuse. I mean, I, I understand that berating, belittling, screaming parents on kids 24-7. I, I get it. But obviously, this child did something very, very wrong, all right? And my guess is here, the mother's kind of at her wit's end. And, and yeah, I guess you can have that sort of touchy-feely type of stuff. But here, the, the mother's trying to make an impression on the child. And the mother's, I think, trying to get across the point that, all right, you, you can't do this again. And you see, and my guess is, I, I think this type of public shaming I think this is probably much more likely to change the behavior than, all right, here we're, we're going to ground you for a week, or we're going to take away your phone privileges, or, or whatever, or we're going to you know make you go to bed at 10 o'clock. I mean, this is the type of thing that I suspect that that kid is going to remember. Now, can you psychologically abuse a child, and, and can you go too far with this? Well, well, yeah, and and if we were talking about, I'm sure that there's all sorts of examples that we could come up with, um, like going back to the colonies 300 years ago, I, I'm sure you could, you know, we could talk about things like, all right, you know, should she have to walk around wearing that scarlet A or whatever, but that's not what's going on in this particular situation, which going what is going on here is you, you have a mother who is, obviously trying to make a point to the child. They're not hitting the child. There's no sort of physical abuse, and they're trying to get through. And obviously the idea is, yeah, we want this to be a somewhat unpleasant and, yes, somewhat 
dare I say, humiliating experience for the kid so that they don't do whatever it is that they did again. 414-799-1620. Here's the take. Shaming. Um, Good for the mom. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, No wonder this country is in trouble. We've raised a bunch of misfit spoiled brats. Well, I don't know about that. Um, All right. Here's another text, though, that's with our first caller, Jack. This is no different than putting people in restraints on the town square. It is medieval treatment. There are more effective ways. Well, okay. I I think it's, it's great that everybody else wants to decide that they know what's right for their particular kid. And again, we don't know here what it was exactly that the girl did and we don't know what other sort of disciplinary measures the parents had taken to try to stop this but I I guess I don't know I think maybe a little bit of public humiliation can potentially go a long way Lisa sends a text Jeff who are we to judge other people's parenting skills Um, those that would do that those folks of the world need to stop trying to force their attitudes on other people they should go get themselves another glass of wine again I I think that you got to cut parents some slack. And candidly, if you think back to the way people were disciplined kind of back in the day, um, I, I suspect that there were a lot greater and a lot stricter punishments that you know people could come up with and did come up with. And, you know, most of us were able to survive those pretty darn well. And, you know, hopefully this made an impression on the kid. And then, you know, you can move on. Joe in Jackson. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I, Hi. I, I think that this could potentially result in like a, a little bit of an emotional detachment of the child. I don't, I don't think that it's, it's abuse, but I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's a twofold question. Is it abuse versus is it good parenting? I don't think it is at all good parenting. Um, there are obviously better ways to, to work with your child through things like that. And the child. Oh, wait, let me stop you there. What, what are those better ways necessarily? Well, let's start, start out here. Um, you're saying that the, the, the mother is at her wit's end. But if the child was so horrible, the child would have absolutely refused to do such a thing. Okay. So at some point, there has to be something inside of the child that is saying, okay, I'm going to obey my mother enough to hold this sign up as a as punishment. Right. And whether you know, well, I mean, do you, do you think parents should be able to punish children when they misbehave? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So at what point in time do you think that they should be able to spank them? Um, I think that there's, all right, so <laughs> I, well, I, I guess I'm kind of I'm asking because I, I would assume you were going to say no that there's no way that you should. Then this girl's like my guess is like 12 or 13. I would assume you would say that no, there's no way you should ever lay hands on a 12 or 13 year old. No, I, I think it, it's not. So this is my my take on it. I have four children, and, and my take on it is this: when I tap them on the thigh when they were little babies, you know, not whooping the heck out of them or beating them or anything like that, but you know, indicating that there's a consequence to stuff, they remember that later on. If you if you if you use that little pattern that God gave them under behind when they're younger, you don't have to beat the hell out of them when they're mm-hmm. older. They, they're, they, 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 that fear of them, that fear of that is is there. The, the understanding of that there is a consequence to an action. Okay, that so we would we I, I then then I think if you and I reason together, we would agree that it it's that that corporal punishment probably clearly for a twelve or thirteen year old who's misbehaved wouldn't be appropriate, yeah. right? Okay. All right, so let's assume, and again, I don't know for sure, but let's assume for the sake of argument that the mother has tried other sort of disciplinary things. We've tried grounding the kid. We've tried taking the cell phone away from the kid, and none of that stuff has worked. Now, we don't know that for sure, but just for, for my discussion, let's assume that, that, that those other forms of discipline aren't getting what needs to be done. What do you do then? 
I think that there's there's the, each child is wired differently, oh. and each approach is going to be is, is going to be tailored to that particular child. But the care has to be taken into really examining that. A, a parent can't act off of frustration in regards to punishment. They have to take time and get to understand what's really going on with the child. I mean, I'll give you one example right now. One example is this vaping stuff that's going on. All right, if a parent is not aware that their child is doing this vaping or these jewels and stuff like that, their child, as a result of doing the vaping and doing the jewels, acts completely off. And the parent is at a total loss as to why they are totally changing on them. And, and it can drive a parent into mad frustration and, yes, lashing out as far as punishing is concerned. And it turns out that the child just, because of hanging around a particular group of, of kids, develops an addiction to this thing that is causing them to act in that way. So it takes time to, it takes an effort, really, for a parent to really look at their child and figure out what's going on. I mean, well, well, I guess my question would be then, Joe, why do we automatically assume then that, that this isn't an appropriate response to whatever it was that the kid did, that the child, she lied, humili- that I lied, I humiliated myself and my mother. Why Why wouldn't this necessarily be, isn't it possible that this could be an absolutely appropriate thing to embarrass the child? Is it, is it possible? Is it, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I mean, you'd have to give me, it's, again, a case-by-case kind of thing, but I mean, generally speaking, it sounds like somebody dumped the gun on the bus, man. Okay, well, thanks. I mean, I, I mean, thanks. I mean, I guess I, I, I just, I, I think when I, when I think about all the different disciplinary things that parents can do to children to try to get their attention and try to correct behavior. Look, I think one of the big problems we've got in this world is that parents aren't involved enough. Is that parents don't discipline children and don't come up with creative ways to discipline them. I, I mean, how, how often do we hear, you know, spoil, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child? Okay, well, well, this isn't a, a mom who grabbed a belt and started, you know, wailing on the kid out of anger or something like that. You know, this isn't a mom who, you know, but at the same time just said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take away your cell phone for a couple of days and, and that's going to be the punishment. This is a mom who at least, yes, did she embarrass, I assume the kid is embarrassed. Did she embarrass the kid? Yeah. But my guess is, will this child remember this? Yeah, my guess is that the child will remember this, especially now that the story has gone viral. And will she be as likely to do the same thing over and over again? Now, my answer would be probably not. I guess you know, good parenting or bad parenting, we don't know enough about the situation. Child abuse, eh, I'm sorry, I'm not with you on that one. We're back in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The breaking news at the end of the show yesterday was that this uh, Scott Peterson, he was the former sheriff's deputy who was the school resource officer at at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School um, February of 2018 when you had the gunman that killed 17 students and wounded 17 others. The, The news was yesterday that Peterson, after a lengthy investigation, had been fired from the sheriff's department and charged with seven counts of felony neglect of a child for not doing more to protect students. This is... It's an almost unprecedented criminal charge in connection with this because it almost never happens. But you know what? I think the authorities got it right. So here's what they allege happened. You had the gunman that was in the one building, active shooting situation. Peterson was the only um, law. He was the only armed guard on campus. 
Now, normally what happens in these situations, and, and we, we talk about it all the time, police officers, firefighters, you know, the first responders, they're running one way. They're running into danger while everybody else is running the other way. Well, that <clears throat> that was not the case with this Scott Peterson guy. According to the investigation, instead of running into the building where the shooting was going on and confronting the shooter, he didn't enter the building at all. And apparently what he did was he retreated to a spot about 75 feet away from the building and remained there during the entire incident. And apparently, you know, what happened is a number of the students were were shot while he was waiting back. Apparently, also, seven minutes after the gunman entered the building, he gets on the radio and instructs fellow law enforcement officers, do not approach the building, stay at least 500 feet away at this point. And while Peterson then remained outside, like I say, the gunman shot and killed at least six of the victims, including five students. So he's hanging back instead of charging in and trying to confront the gunman. So he's now been charged with various examples of criminal negligence for essentially being a coward. In addition, he's been charged with perjury for making a false statement that he did not hear any shots fired um, and, and when he after he arrived at the building. So it's very, very clear to me that here you have this guy who is, and he, he was doing all these TV interviews saying, I'm not a coward, I'm not a coward. What's well, very clear to me that, that he was a coward. Now, I, I and I understand that. You might say, well, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, you have th- this shooting situation where you have this heavily armed perpetrator. You've only got your handgun. You know, you're going to be putting your life on. You're going to potentially be sacrificing your life if you run into that building and try to get into a gunfight with him. Okay, and and so from a self-preservation standpoint, you know, maybe this makes sense. At the same time, the, the guy's a sworn law enforcement officer. His duty and his responsibility is to try to confront the shooter and to try to, uh, again, minimize the damage and the injuries to others. But he's now been charged with various felonies in connection with this. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's one thing for him to be fired. And I have I, I don't think it I don't think anybody can reasonably argue that the guy should not be fired. He clearly, I think, violated a number of protocols that they have, which call for, you know, the person that arrives first on the scene to try to confront the shooter. He did not do that. My sense is he was probably scared to do that, and he put his own life above the kids that were getting shot inside. All right, so he clearly, I don't think this guy has the right stuff to be in law enforcement. The more difficult question to me is, all right, so he hangs back. Because he's afraid of getting hurt himself, he wants to wait for more help or whatever, and people die in the interim. Should that be a crime? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess, you know, if if we charge this guy, you know, what does that say about, you know, to other police officers? Does it send the wrong message um, if they decide, hey, it, it's not safe to engage in a particular situation, I want to wait for help. Does it say to them, if you hang back, 
you could be criminally charged too. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I personally have no problem with these criminal charges at all under these circumstances. Change the facts a little and maybe it's different. But in this case, here you have kids that are being shot. You had a law enforcement officer who had the ability to intervene um, and he chose not to do it. For, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to cut him any, and then lie about it. I'm not cutting him any slack. Ishmar in Milwaukee, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. I'm in law enforcement, mm-hmm. and uh, this is completely unacceptable. Um, this is this goes against all training. It goes against just doing the right thing. And uh, personally, I wouldn't be able to uh, live with being able to know that I didn't do anything about it. Yep, yep. Well, let me ask you this. From your, I mean, obviously, we, we I don't think it's fair to expect officers to behave in a foolhardy sort of fashion. I mean, does, by charging him, does this send a message to every law enforcement officer that, you know, when, when you approach a dangerous scene, you, you've got to be a cowboy. And if you're not a cowboy, that means that, you know, you're potentially criminally charged. Does this have the potential of sending that message? Well, I think it's it's tough because every situation is different yes. in law enforcement. Um, this unique situation, uh, as bad as it is, is one of those where yeah. you always have to take into account the tactics of a situation, whether yep. you're going with a handgun against a rifle. Obviously, there is a disadvantage there. However, something needs to be done, whether it's, you know, making yeah. a difference or just getting the guy's attention. Um, but in terms of being criminally charged for this incident, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's, he should be charged. Yeah, I th- thanks. See, I, I agree with you. You can change the facts a little and, and maybe you get to a different and, and perhaps you do get to a different result. And I, I'm not the guy that argues that, OK, the first time a police officer shows up on a scene and you don't understand what's going on and there's shots fired that you automatically have to just get out of your car and run in bullets blazing not knowing what you're dealing with i wouldn't argue that either but in this particular case the guy was a school resource officer he knew what was going on here and rather than trying to you know actively confront the shooter at least go in the building and and throw the shooter off course he decided to retreat which led directly to the deaths of several of these students because it allowed the the gunman to continue to operate now again it's woulda coulda shoulda but what's so unique about this situation is is normally it's exactly the opposite normally it's the police officers say All right we're not going to take this on you know we're not going to hide we're not going to cower in fear we're grabbing our guns we're running in there and we're going to confront this guy and if that means we're putting our lives on the line to save a bunch of kids we're going to put our lives on the line to save a bunch of kids that's what makes this so so very unique you know and on top of that you know he he also he told other people to to stand back i mean that's that's the orders. Hey, we've got this active shooting situation. There's a guy in there, and he's killing all these people. And, and by the way, I want everybody to, to stand back. How can you allow something like that to happen? Yes, he should be fired. The, the perjury, I don't know about the child endangerment. I don't know if they're going to be able to make that stick. My guess is the perjury charge is is just a winner for sure um, as far as being able to convict him of that. But regardless, you know, normally we're talking about first responders and to protect and to serve. No question, this guy did not do that. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eric Bilstead, I suspect you and I might have different takes on this story. But you want to hang around and offer okay. your opinion on the thing? Because sure. we, we just kind of approach things sometimes differently. And I know you, you are the news director here, and you make a lot of these different decisions. All right. Well, yesterday... You, you have this story. We're still feeling the, the effects of it today, but everybody's following it. It's what happened at Oconomowoc. Long story short, there's a DNR warden who is sees this stolen minivan and begins pursuing the minivan. Um, they call. There is a chase. What happens is the sheriff's department gets involved. They end up uh, deploying stock stop sticks. You know the, those things that cause the tires to blow mm-hmm. out. Yep. Apparently, one of the tires blows out on the on this van. There's a guy in the van. There's a gal in the van. Um, as the vehicle approaches I ninety four, um, somebody in the van points a gun out the window at one of the sheriff's deputies. The sheriff's deputy then fires. The vehicle stops on northbound sixty seven over the inter overpass where it is there. Now this started at four fifteen. The thing doesn't end until after ten thirty mm-hmm. last night. And so you got the freeway closed. There's all this attention going on. What what ultimately happens is after. They, they bring in hostage negotiators. The, the guy in the van says he's holding the woman hostage. They bring in hostage negotiators. It goes on for five hours. The guy refuses to surrender. He barricades in himself in the vehicle. Um, finally, after things have broken down, the tactical unit moves in. They throw tear gas or whatever they throw. The guy gets out of the car holding a gun to the woman's head, apparently, pointing the gun at, at, at the woman. Um, the sheriff's deputy, they shoot, and they shoot him a couple times. The woman turns out she wasn't being held a hostage, or at least that's my interpretation of this. She then begins to run away. They start to chase her. She struggles with the deputies. They use a dog. She stabs the dog. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my take on this is these two people were in this together, and the whole the whole idea of I'm holding her hostage was just kind of a sort of a scam to make it go away. That's my take. Maybe it'll turn out to be correct. Maybe not. All right. That's not what I want to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about the news media's role in this because I, I think uh, there were riveting pictures of this. Um, a number of the, the TV stations, or at least one of the TV stations, they, they, they have the, the helicopters up there, and they are they're taking photographs, aerial photographs of this, as, as and they're broadcasting this as it's going on. So you have this tactical situation where you can see, as a result of the pictures, you know, you can see where the sheriff's deputies are deployed, um, all, all these different types of things, while it is an ongoing situation. So theoretically, the guy who's in the car and the gal who's in the car, I mean, you know, they if, if they've got, you know, their smartphones or whatever, they can be watching this. They can know where the cops are. They can know what's going on. My question to you is, do you think the media behaved in a responsible fashion by showing those live pictures from the scene? Uh, some will say, well, it's one way to police the police by making sure there's transparency and being able to see what they're doing in case mm-hmm. something goes wrong. Then you can question yep. and see if there needs to be changes. In this case, we have always, and this is an, an, as of yesterday, this has always been the case. The discussion has always been do not report what you and I are seeing from a chopper feed maybe here in the in the studio. Right. Or show it on TV because of that exact can, reason. Because yeah. of that exact reason. Now you could argue maybe 
15 years ago, you could do it on TV and show it on TV without describing it, only because the guy's not going to have a TV in his car. But in today's day and age, I mean, it was Facebook Live. There were people on Facebook Live showing it. Well, that, that was going to be my follow-up. And it's then. that easy to just look at your phone and watch it then and see where the cops are, well, who has he, a sniper. Right, and, and that, I guess that was going to be my follow-up, that... If TV doesn't do it, if they don't have the choppers up and they're not putting up on the TV, with social media nowadays, everybody's got cell phones, everybody's reporters, Mm -hmm. so you, you have private citizens that are live streaming this as well. Could the argument be, well... If I'm if I'm channel forty nine and I'm not doing it, doesn't matter because somebody else is going to be doing this and you'll be able to see it. Yeah, but you know you can always take video of something or roll on. I mean, you and I know this. They roll on feeds all the time that no one ever sees, only because they just roll on it and then they play the part that is for the news. So you can roll on something without showing it live on the air at the time that it's happening. So it's only. I mean, you think it was inappropriate? Yes, only because it's been happening this way forever. I mean, we've been asked before. This isn't just a yesterday thing. We've been asked multiple times, and by we, I mean the media across the country. Please do not show something live as we are working on a tactical scene. That happened in Fond du Lac. Was that yesterday? There was a tactical situation in Fond du Lac yesterday, yesterday morning, and it was outside a home, and a guy had a knife, and he had kids that he was holding hostage, quote-unquote, there. And they asked in that case, please get the choppers out of here because we don't want him being able to kind of see where we're positioned. Same rule applies in this case, too. If you're in a car, you have a phone that can see anything. He had the windows blocked, mm-hmm. so you can't see out as well anyway. You, you, can't, you cannot be giving that opponent, that defendant, that suspect, any opportunity to be able to play the upper hand. Okay, so you and I don't disagree on no. this. All right, 414-799, I wanted to get your perspective. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, maybe I'm not going to make certain friends around here, but I... I thought I thought what happened yesterday what was irresponsible on the part of some broadcast television outlets to show the scene live. Is it news? Absolutely. You know, do do you report absolutely? Do you say the freeway is closed, there's this situation, it's an ongoing thing? Absolutely. I of, of course you 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 do that. But I understand the the rush to want to show people things, and I also understand that now with social media, you know, maybe you you can be out there and checking it out. But I mean, some of these views where you know you could clearly uh, again see. Uh, I mean, if, you know, television news helicopter cameras around six o'clock showed officers lying on Highway sixty seven with guns pointed at the mini, minivan. Um, you could see some of the tactics that were being employed, and and yes. See, that, am I saying that there needs to be a law that stops that? No, but I think it was irresponsible to do that and potentially put people's lives in danger. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I'm not saying this is a government thing, but this is a decision that, that you make, and I think you can clearly report on this situation. You can describe what's going on. Oh, there's tactical people here, etc. but you don't need to show those pictures, not because the public doesn't have a right to know. Matter of fact, you can show the pictures later on. And I think, you know, Eric was making the point earlier about transparency, making sure that the police are doing things right. Well, I'm not even saying you don't film it. All right. If if you've got the access to it and you want to film it, that's fine. It's different, though, to put it on the air while it is an ongoing developing situation. And, and I think 
Look, I, I mean, whenever we talk about this, we always talk about like the slow speed chase with O.J. Simpson, you know, and and, and that that wasn't. I, I don't know how I feel about that because that wasn't a necessarily this life threatening sort of thing. But but in this particular case, where you've got a potential hostage or a, a situation where you've got the cops deployed to show the bad guy where the cops are potentially, I thought was irresponsible. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Peter in Lake Geneva. Peter, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. My opinion is uh, yeah, send the uh, television guys away. But, um, you know, Facebook Live or, or YouTube Live, I guess, right now anyway, I think might be okay because who follows me? Do you know me? Right. Well, that's it. I mean, it's less, you're, you're less likely to be able to watch it on the internet than, than yeah, you would exactly. be if it's on channel, again, channel like 59 or whatever. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm not trying to single out any one particular TV station. I'm talking about the general concept. No, thanks. No, you're, 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 you're right. It, it's tougher. It's tougher to find if you're that guy and the gal, if you're the bad guys in that car and you're engaged in this standoff and you're trying to find stuff, it's easier to get that information. And again, I'm, I'm not saying you don't report on the situation. I mean, of course you report on the situation. You know, we've got a, a we've got a police standoff and avoid this area, and the freeway is closed, etc. Of course you report on that. I wouldn't argue otherwise. It's just when you you know put the helicopters up in the air and you show strategic positions. The only reason you're doing that is for sensationalism. You know, that's the only reason you're showing those particular pictures and potentially you, you put somebody's life in danger. And, and there again, I guess I would argue there's no reason for it. Uh, Jerry in Wauwatosa. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Um, I believe that there is a reason that when there are people that live in the general area and because it's a public safety issue and there wasn't another vehicle involved except that one vehicle and they knew there was at least one perpetrator in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to show it, and the reason is, is that that's part of a journalism person's job, is to report the truth. Well, now, but I mean, but crimes it's... that have been committed before they got in there, then I would say, no, don't show it, don't endanger anybody else. Well, I guess you, you say that it's, it's their job to report the truth. You you can. I'm not arguing you shouldn't report it. All right. Of course you. Of course you report it. You say there's a situation. There's an active shooter situation, and stay away and all those type of things. My question is, why is it not to, not to report it? Why is it necessary that if you've got access to the chopper, let's put that chopper up there and let's show the picture and let's show where all the tactical people are and let's show where these folks are. Why do you need to show those pictures along with reporting it? Well, I think it harkens back to when you talked about the OJ situation mm-hmm. in the 90s. In L.A., I think it's common for crime helicopters to be overhead so why should it be any different in wisconsin well i mean i guess i'm thanks i mean i guess i mean i'll answer it jerry i mean i I think it's one thing to have a crime uh, like a like a, it's one thing to have a TV helicopter. You got you got the weather helicopter, and it, it's one thing to be showing the, the scenes from a car chase, 
for example, okay, th- this is the chase. And so people, in that particular case, I don't know that you're putting anybody's life at risk by doing that. But this this wasn't a car chase. I mean, this was a stationary situation where you had potentially a hostage situation. Like I said, I don't think that's where it's going to turn out. But but my my argument is that the way they showed this you showed the positions that the tactical officers were in. You showed where all the cops were. You showed, you know, where the, the people with the guns were. So if the bad guy or guys is in there watching it, they, they know. They know if they're going to make a run. They're able to look at that if they have access to this. And nowadays with tablets and stuff, everybody has access to this. They know, hey, if I if I come out of the back of the van shooting, there, there's, there's a guy that's there or there's a guy that's over there. I, I just... I'm not arguing that it shouldn't be reported. I question the need to display it on live TV. Like I was saying earlier, I, I, I appreciate you know the idea. You want transparency. You want to make sure law enforcement officers are doing things the right way. Well, I'm not even arguing that you couldn't film it. But, but you don't necessarily need to go live from the scene with those sorts of views on it. And let's be honest here. The reason you go live to the scene is not because we're fulfilling the private, the public's right to know. It's because we want the best pictures. So we want to make sure that when somebody turns on that television and they're looking around for coverage of this, we've got the one that's most likely to keep their eyeballs. I mean, that that's what was going on. This is about ratings and it's about eyeballs. It's not about informing the public. All right, we're going to continue the conversation in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, the overhead helicopter and drone shots by the media and private citizens live streaming were imprudent uses of technology that could have unnecessarily put law enforcement at additional risk and given an undesirable advantage to the suspects. And I guess that's that's sort of my point about it. Obviously, you cover the story, but... And obviously, you, I don't even have problems with showing pictures from the scene. But when the pictures display, you know, where the cops are and what their tactics are, you do, you give, potentially at least, give an advantage to the bad guys. Julie in Kenosha. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I was just going to agree with the last point you just made. I have a friend that she works in the news, and I respect her anonymity, but... They had a story, whereas their news director wanted to send them out. And basically what they did was a live feed, and they ended up showing a SWAT team outside the criminal's house. Mm -hmm. So the feedback that she got was that, you know, um, you basically just let the criminal in on where the SWAT team was. Yep, 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 yep. So my comment is just to agree with you that when it interferes with the law enforcement doing their job, that's when I have a problem. Right, and potentially puts people at risk, including that the law enforcement officers, and, and again, for no good reason. You know, I, I have no problem with reporting what happened yesterday or in the situation you're talking about. Yeah, there, there's a potential hostage situation in the you know 200 block of whatever in Kenosha. That, that's all fine. You, you report it. Police are, you know, you know, are, are on the scene. I, but but why do you have to show the pictures to potentially give the bad guy the advantage? That's my that's my beef. I agree. I yeah. agree. No. You're, you're, you're giving the criminal um, uh, a, a, a sight into what the police yep. are trying to do. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. No, thanks. For, and, and again, to the point of, uh, of transparency, after the situation ends, you know, after, you know, and, and it ended yesterday with people being shot, et cetera, et cetera, the bad guys being shot and the, the, the police dog being stabbed by the lady. Okay. After that ends, I, I understand, you know, then, then, then that need for protection and stuff, then I guess it, it's gone away to a large extent. And if you want to show some of the pictures and do a summary, once it's over, I have no problem. It's while it's the active situation. And I'm, I'm not calling for a law to stop it. But I do think that some people who made some decisions in some newsrooms around town, I think their judgment was a little, was more than a little bit off yesterday. And I think that they need to learn something moving forward. As I often say, just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean the, it's the right thing to do. And I think you saw that play out yesterday. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. This is an issue that confronts broadcasters on multiple occasions, which is, How do you do live TV or live radio in an Internet world when some stuff is still on tape delay? For example, let's assume that you have the Olympics and the Olympics are in a time zone that's six or eight hours ahead of us. So you get premier events that have happened you know, six or eight hours before you are on the air, but they're not going to be shown on TV till the evening. The, the issue is always how do you handle the spoilers? And it, it, I know because I've been working here through a number of different Olympics, it's always this issue because there's some people that want to know, hey, you know, this, okay, so the speed skating thing happened at two o'clock in the morning. I'm listening to the radio at six o'clock. I want to know what happened. It's, it's happened. And then there's other people who say, no, 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 I want to watch it on TV later on tonight. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Well, well, how do you end up, how do you end up handling that? And especially given now that you've got this thing that's out there called the internet, where with three or four clicks of a mouse, you can find out, you know, the results for, for anything. So that's always the battle. And, and what we do here at WTMJ is, I, I think the way we've settled doing most of these things is we will give you the results of the Olympics, but we do spoiler alerts. Okay, we're, all right, turn off your radio. Because we're, if you want to, don't want to know what happened in the speed skating thing, turn off your radio, turn it back on in 15 seconds. But you know we're going to tell you that, and that's still not good enough because some people don't get the message, etc. But it's this balancing act that that occurs. Well, we we had a variation of that that played out this week. I think everybody is probably aware that on the game show Jeopardy. There was a guy, his name is James Holtzauer. He's a sports gambler out of Las Vegas, originally from Illinois, who was on this this near record run, was just winning a ton of money. And he had won 32 or 33 games in a row. Just an amazing player. Now, Jeopardy is not live. They pre-tape the Jeopardy shows. I don't know how many weeks ago the show that aired on Monday was taped, but it was pre-taped. Right. Because what they'll do is typically, you know, you'll you'll tape a week or two weeks worth of shows over the course of a couple of days and then everybody goes home and then you come back a couple of weeks later. So the, it, it doesn't play out in real time. The results of Jeopardy um, were, were no, just like Survivor. You watch Survivor on TV. Survivor's pre-taped. 
All right. So when when they do the final reveal, okay, the people have been off the island for three or four months. It's so, but you don't know that. So what happened on on Monday was the guy that had been winning all this money. He lost. He lost. The word got out that he had lost. As a matter of fact, early in the day, all around the internet, there was video that was circulating showing showing the guy losing. Um, and so you you could, if you chose, and I admit I, I did, you could you could click on this and you could see they, they showed kind of like the final Jeopardy thing, and you, you show it showed how he lost. All right, so that then put media outlets like us in sort of this this bind about you know what do you do because on the one hand the word is out there these spoilers are out there it's publicly available and with two clicks of a mouse you can see it um do you not report it even though it's there because you know that there's some people that are going to want to watch it at six o'clock at night or do you go ahead and i think what we decided to do is we not on my show but on other shows they said okay this is what's out there these are the results. We're going to give a spoiler. If you you know if you don't want to hear it, turn off the radio. And I think that's how we handled it. And some people liked it being handled that way, and some people didn't. But it, it's it's what we ended up doing. But but here's what's got interesting about this: uh, Jeopardy. The producers are now very very aggressively investigating the leak. And let me read you a portion of a story that appeared um, on Fox. A Jeopardy producer revealed that the show is investigating the source of a leak that spoiled the big loss and said they're going to take very, very, very appropriate action. Apparently, um, what they what they say is that um, somebody alerted us that the ending of the show was on YouTube. By the time we saw it, already there was 2,000 views. The word essentially was out. The producer says, I feel bad for the viewers. I'm not sure what's gained by doing something like that. Other than some malicious intent, it really doesn't benefit anybody. All right, our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I have to tell you honestly... I don't think I would have watched that show were it not for the fact that I knew the guy lost. Matter of fact, I talked to a couple other people, and and that's that's what they said. You know that that you know they they tuned in because they wanted to see the guy lose. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Since that Jeopardy spoiler was out there, did it ruin your enjoyment? of of the show of the ending to that stretch i mean was this a big deal or was it just hey it, it made me even more interested i i watched it because i wanted to see this happen 414-799-1620 did losing the surprise did it really hurt your enjoyment of the show in my case like i say i don't think i would have watched monday night but for the fact that well, I I'd heard he was losing, and I wanted to see how it was that this guy that was so good lost. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Did the spoiler kill the fun? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I um For me, you know, the answer, the answer was no. Um, let's see. Here's his first text. I was disappointed that the Jeopardy result was leaked. I'd been following James for the past few weeks and enjoyed watching. Um, so to that person, it 
month, it's spoiled. 414-799-1620. All right. Did it ruin it for you? Let's see. Let's start with Karen in Greenfield. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Karen. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay. Well, my sister and I are really Jeopardy fans. We don't live together. And she watches 58 News, Channel 5 Cable. Right. And right at the end of the newscast, before getting ready to watch Jeopardy, to watch James, they sent out a spoiler alert. And ruined it all. Oh, right, right, right before they were going to show it. <laughs> right before, at the very end of fifty-eight channel five on cable uh-huh. news, they announced that he lost. Huh? And both yes. of us just—I mean, my jaw dropped in my own kitchen. Huh? It, it just ruined. It ruined. It just really ruined the joy of watching Jeopardy. Uh, and and you were. I mean, obviously, you were into it, so you were going to watch it anyways. You were looking forward to watching that, and it, and it so it, it spoiled it knowing for for you at least it spoiled it knowing that the guy was going to lose that day. He already lost. Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, th- thanks for the call. Now that no, it, I, I will tell you this. This is like a little behind the scenes stuff. Um, now we, we have no, we do not share a corporate identity with with the TV station, uh, other than the fact that they're they're friends and stuff. And we have, but you know, used to be for years and years and years before we had the the split um, between scripts, and now we're owned by a company called Good Karma. It, it used to be that you know we were owned by the same company. So when NBC had the Olympics, it was always kind of this this big deal and this sort of like tightrope walking that we would have because uh, obviously. The, the folks, Channel 4, NBC, you know, they, to the extent possible, you know, they, they didn't want spoilers out there because they wanted people, understandably, to watch the evening news coverage. Um, now, it, it's not as much of that, but that's kind of a funny story that the show is airing on your own network in five minutes and you give the results away. Patty in Lake Geneva. Patty, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Patty. So it really spoiled it for me. I'm a regular Jeopardy watcher. I have been for many, many years. And before I got the chance to watch the show, I heard it not only on the radio, but also on the national news uh-huh. on television. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really it, spoiled it. It, it did. Tell, tell me, tell me. I guess, tell me why. Just because it, it took the surprise out of it for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched the show every day. I, I didn't know what would happen. And now I knew before I even turned it on how it would end. Right, 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 right. Um, in, so it's, it's kind of interesting because, again, for me, who was a casual watcher, it made me tune in to want to see how the whole thing ended. But I, I guess if I was following it on a regular basis, all of a sudden, it was kind of like having the rug pulled out from under you, huh? Yes, it was. Yeah, and, uh, for whatever it's worth, I get the sense that the folks at Jeopardy know who it was that leaked this thing. And my, my guess is he or she's probably not going to be working <laughs> on, on, on Jeopardy anymore would be my guess. So thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's talk to Audrey in Green Bay. Audrey, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Audrey. It um, definitely spoiled it for us, my husband and I. We were casual watchers before this guy started making his run. Right. And he's so likable. So right at the end of CBS National News, they blurted out that he lost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I even want to watch it. I felt badly about it. Um, so did you go ahead and watch anyways or no? We did watch. Yeah. but you know, it, Obviously, you know, your curiosity gets the best of you. Right. But, yeah, it even showed the woman who won. It yep. even showed how much yep. she bet. 
Yep, yep, yep. Matter of fact, I had seen the spoilers that I saw even described what happened in the final Jeopardy round. I, I I didn't see anything more before that, so I was kind of interested to see how it all kind of played out. But, yeah, you knew what was going to happen. I, to your point, I've got a text. Somebody texted me, Jeff, I watched all along, but when I heard he lost, I didn't watch Monday. I didn't want to see him lose. I knew what would happen already. So exactly. Um, interesting. No, thanks. I mean, a lot of a lot of people in that boat. OK, here, Jeff, I would have watched anyways. I watch every night. Um, I think it's brain exercise. However, I would have liked the surprise. So you've got that. Let's talk to Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, I'm glad because I wasn't going to watch on Monday. OK, yeah, I wouldn't right. have either. Right. Yeah. And um, you know how he lost. She got the two daily doubles yep. in the second round. Yep. And the first time she doubled up, and she took a two grand lead, but then she got the second daily double. But and she hesitated that three thousand. She got that. Yep. But then uh, at the end, well, then she was ahead. He couldn't catch her. You know, except that they messed up at the last one. Yeah. And then they all got the answer, and she put him away. Right. No. I mean, it's, no. It was interesting. I mean, right. I, you're you're right. I mean, she he. He his success was based on first of all the guy's wicked smart you know or at least wicked good at the game of Jeopardy but you know he he would go searching for the daily doubles he'd bet enormous amounts of money and in this particular case she's wicked smart too I don't know how long she's going to go on a run but she got the daily doubles got ahead of him and then just didn't miss either in any event um, it continues to be a controversy Jeopardy not happy that the results got out this is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, did I hear you say that there was a 20-degree difference yes. between here and up in Green Bay? <laughs> That's true. In Waukesha, it's 76. In Green Bay, it's 56. Huh. Well, the, the reason that particularly interests me is because I'm going to be in Green Bay Saturday night. Paul McCartney is playing at Lambeau oh, yes, Field. Oh, yes, I heard about that. So, so exciting. Um, yeah, we're, I, I believe it or not, I've never seen McCartney yeah, concert. I, either. I mean, well, I probably had more opportunities. I'm a little older. That's so true. No, that's going. a good point. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've never seen him in concert. And actually, my best friend and my best friend's wife in particular, she wanted to go for her birthday. So we all got together and got tickets. So we're, we're going to go up there. That's and awesome. And that's at Lambeau, right? It is at Lambeau nice. Field. I've never seen a concert at Lambeau Field either. I've been there for Packers games well, and stuff. A couple years ago, I don't know, three, four years ago, Billy Joel played there and I did see him there. And it's, I mean, if you have a chance to see a major show in uh, a stadium like that, it's, right. it's worth it for but sure. I, I signed, and plus, I, I'm going to do it the easy way. I signed up for um, one of the places I belong to has a, has a bus that's running up there. Oh, nice. So, mm-hmm. right, I, I was thinking, okay, this is, because I mean, I'm driving up there and I, I, the way the way the timing works out, we've got something to do on Sunday, so I, I can't stay overnight. So it's like, do I really want to be driving back at eleven thirty yeah. or twelve at night or whatever? And so the this is this is fine. You pay a little fee, but they have a little tailgate thing, and then oh, awesome. you, there's there's bathrooms on the bus, and then it leaves a half hour after the <laughs> show. And I figure I can sleep on the bus on the way home, and yeah, it'll all work out. You know, and if you have a, a couple at the concert, a few at the concert, you can just not worry about driving home. Which yeah, except is great. I've gotten cheaper in my old age. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those I, I think. You know, they're going to have, like, beers and stuff on yeah. the bus. My guess is, because once you get into the show, my guess is, that I could be wrong, but the beers will probably be $10, 15 $20 and stuff like that. And it's just, 
I like beer a lot better when it's like five bucks than yeah, I do when no, it's twenty bucks. It, it goes better going down, right? Yeah, when you just, know that you got it for five dollars. <laughs> right or, now, and you can't, or or even there's this place I go to, you know, in Cedarburg that beers are two dollars oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. That's really good when it's two bucks. Gru's going, where is that place? Yeah, no, I'll sign tell you. me up. Well, no, it's got to be the secret. All right, so Paul McCartney, looking forward to that. Okay. I want to talk politics for just a segment or two, and this is the horse race aspect of it. I There will be a presidential election in November of 2020. I think it is extremely unlikely that President Trump will have been impeached. That's, I mean, as we've talked about before in this program, I mean, this, the, the, the political reality is, Regardless of how people feel, he's going to be the president in 2020, in November of 2020. That The politics of this are he's not going to be removed from office. So then the question becomes, you know, can he, in fact, be reelected? Now, I've been I, – I, I, I consider myself to be a political junkie, and I'm also a, a numbers guy, even though, you know, over the last couple of elections, pollsters in some cases have been – Correct, but in many cases they've been wrong, and in some cases they've been spectacularly wrong. And the truth is, I don't think there was anybody, perhaps including anybody in the Trump campaign, that saw his victory over Hillary Clinton coming. But but here's the reality: it was it was a narrow victory that was carved out by a series of factors. That his path to victory, the states that he won, I mean, were were the ones that he had to win. There was almost no margin for error. He had to win Ohio. He had to win Florida. He had to win Pennsylvania. He had to win Michigan. He had to win Wisconsin. Those were all states that he did, in fact, win. But it surprised a lot of people. People didn't think he was going to win Pennsylvania. The polls didn't show him doing that. People didn't think he was going to win Michigan. People didn't think he was going to win Wisconsin. And he did. And if you look at the re-election map, in order to be reelected, he probably has to win all those states. Maybe there's one that he could end up losing, but it's probably not too likely that he's going to pick up additional states, at least of any significant size from an electoral perspective. He's not going to pick up anything moving forward. So that means he's got to keep what he had, which is why I've been looking at the polls in a number of, of those states. And candidly, now admittedly, we're a year and a half away, but candidly, a lot of those numbers don't look good for him. There was a statewide poll in North Carolina, which is another one of the states that he carried, that he probably has to carry again to be reelected. Poll comes out yesterday, two days ago, shows he's trailing most of the main, this is President Trump, is trailing most of the main Democratic candidates by uh, by a pretty decent margin, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 points. Joe Biden was the guy that polled the best against the president, but then Bernie Sanders and then the rest. Yesterday, poll coming out in, in Michigan. Michigan was the state that, of those different states I mentioned, it was the closest state. He only won it by 10,000 votes. And this new statewide poll that comes out done by the Detroit News shows that uh, President Trump is trailing Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders by a a dozen, by 11 or 12 points. Um, Biden comes in 53 percent, Trump 41 percent. Sanders comes in 53 percent, Trump 41 percent. And then it kind of, it goes down from there. He's trailing a number of the other candidates, but 
nowhere and nobody as big as either Biden or, or Sanders. So you see these type of numbers playing out. And the truth is, if that plays out, if he can't win Pennsylvania, if he can't win Michigan, if he can't win North Carolina, if he can't win Wisconsin, he's not going to be reelected president. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. The polls got it completely and totally wrong in 2016. That's just the reality. Should people be skeptical of what the polls say now? Or is this really a red flag that, you know, the Trump re-election campaign may be in big trouble unless he can figure a way to turn it around in some of these key states? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WGMJ's Jeff Wagner. Let's start off with a text from Beth, who writes, Jeff, no one polled and nobody polled me in 2016 and nobody's polling me now. But I'm sitting here thinking that a lot of us are laughing at those of you who are paying any attention at all to the polls. Well, I I guess with all due respect, I think it's you, you can question the validity and you can understand that pollsters, for a lot of reasons, got it wrong in, in 2016. And they've had some spectacular errors over the last several years. I mean, Ron Johnson wouldn't have beaten, if you believe the pollsters, Ron Johnson wouldn't have won election over Russ Feingold when he first did. And he wouldn't have been reelected in 2016. But just because they get it wrong from time to time doesn't mean that I think you can completely and totally ignore it and a lot of the polls you're starting to see now are suggesting that in these key states that president trump has to win he's trailing most of the main democrats 414-799-1620 let's talk to matt in brookfield matt you're on wtmj hello jeff hi matt i think that the 2016 polls um overestimated democratic turnout because the democratic voters were complacent yep Complacency is now gone with Democratic voters. And, and, I, I, and I'll, I'll let you continue your point. I, I also think, you know, whether it's complacency or just, a, a plus it didn't account for an uninspiring candidate like Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, let's, let's face it, there were a lot of people that just weren't excited about her as a candidate, so they weren't going to run through walls to vote for her in, in 2016. I think you're, you're you're exactly right. I mean, the Democrats nominated the only candidate that Donald Trump could beat, yeah, and he uh, did, yeah. Um, in in the electoral college, not in the popular vote, right? Not even not even close in the popular vote. Um, and so, I, I think the Trump campaign should be very worried because the level of Democratic motivation is really high. Um, yeah, and, it, and if, if he loses two of those four states you mentioned. I don't think he gets reelected. So you think this is you think these should be red flags indicating that 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 there should at least be a cause for concern. And and maybe I don't know what could happen, but something needs to happen before 2020 um, in order to change this course. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, And um, I I don't know if the president just needs to start acting more presidential, um, but I I don't think that his base is going to get him reelected in 2020. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, I, I look, I, I, I think you, 
I, I think for everybody who says, oh, just don't pay attention to the polls. I think that that's, with all due respect, I think that's a naive approach to this. I mean, I think that's a factor that you have to take into account. And and I do agree with his assessment right there that, I mean, I, I think in 2016 you had Democratic voters who didn't think Hillary, who, number one, weren't excited about Hillary Clinton, and number two, didn't think that she was going to lose. They couldn't imagine they were going to lose, so they they grew complacent. You saw in the 2018 elections where, by and large, the pollsters were pretty correct, you know, in a lot of their predictions. I mean, you saw that that massive, the, the intensity gap that, that bubbled up, and it was taken out on Republicans in Congress. And, I mean, I look, it, it is that intensity gap. I mean, I think Scott Walker is still the governor if it weren't for the fact that you had all these people, particularly in Dane County, so incredibly motivated, they're going to turn out in record numbers, and they're going to vote for whoever. Did they, was that a vote for Tony Evers? No, it wasn't a vote for Tony Evers. It was a vote against Scott Walker because they want to send a message to Donald Trump. I, I, I don't know that that dynamic has changed, and I don't know that that dynamic is going to change. And like I say, when you look at the Marquette Law School polls that come out, and you can be skeptical about these things, but they pretty clearly shown that President Trump's approval rating in Wisconsin is underwater. And my guess is when they start showing the head-to-heads, they're going to show him behind. 414-799-1620. All right, is, is this something to be concerned about? Let's talk to Lewis on the south side. Lewis, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, in, in general, I just ignore the polls. Mm-hmm. They're meant for the campaigners to focus on where they need to focus. A poll doesn't tell me anything about the candidate uh, at, at all. It doesn't vote for me. A poll doesn't do anything for me, and people should really stop uh, promoting them. And the fact of the matter is, is uh, from what I see in my actual life, um, Trump's approval uh, rating is way up in the Hispanics and uh, in other minority uh, parts of our, our culture. So I... Uh, so you just think, would you think, would it be fair to say then that you think that Trump is a victim of, I, I don't know, some of the, this, all, all this negative media stuff that's out there that kind of is an echo chamber f- promoting the bad but ignoring the, the good? Uh, yeah, and, and just probably inaccurate polls or, um, mm-hmm. you know, I probably, depending on the questions, I may give a negative answer towards Trump. Um, and, and that would be a falsehood because there's next to nothing that will stop me from voting for him in 2020. Good. And well, I think that's the same with a lot of people. Got it. Okay. Well, thanks. I mean, it, it's, I mean, again, it's, you, you ha- do have to be careful with polls and the questions they ask. I mean, one of the examples I always give of that is when they say, do you think the country's on a right track or a wrong track? Well, you don't know what that means unless you ask why. I mean, you could, during the Obama years, you could say, I think the country's on the right track. And some people might say, oh, that means you're a supporter of President Obama. No, it might mean that, hey, no, we've got a Republican-controlled Congress or, or whatever. You just don't necessarily know what that question means. Sam and McHenry. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, how you doing, Jeff? Hi, Sam. Well, uh, you know, if this thing is going to turn into a, I think Joe Biden is the only guy that can beat him, okay? Or, you know, mm-hmm. only guy that has a chance. And if we allowed us to turn into a beauty contest, yeah, he'll win. But if the people look at all the, and they're going to be looking at Joe Biden's eight years with Obama, it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Iran, North Korea, the borders, the TPP trade agreement that we almost got drawn into, which, you know, now all this talk about uh, Biden and his son in China and, you know, all this is going to come out. Do you think Biden gets the, Do you think Biden gets the nomination? Do you think the Democrats will 
will nominate a a center left candidate um, given all the all the activists that are on the far left. Yeah, I think he's going to get it. Because okay. it's their only hope to win. It's their absolute only hope because everybody else is just too radical. And yeah. and they're going to have to just accept that at some point. But then Biden's going to get on stage and he's going to have to talk about eight years of yeah. Obama and all the positions he took. Obamacare is another one. Right. This is going to, you know, this is when it's all going to come out. And then people are going to have to say, yeah, um, I, you know, I want this to be a beauty contest. I don't like Donald Trump's attitude but i'm gonna no it's not gonna happen i don't see it happen okay good enough I, you know it, it is interesting because when people ask me do, let me let me just go back to let's circle back to where we started do i think that you if you look at these state-by-state polls if i'm working on the trump campaign should you be concerned and my answer is yeah you you should be concerned you know you this is i, I think to just ignore them and to assume all oh, the polls are in, inaccurate and all this stuff is just all wrong i, I think that's a dangerous game to play I, I think that the question becomes what do you do with that information and what does it really mean because to to the point that sam was making i i do think a lot depends on what Democrats do, and we're going to get a bird's eye view of that, you know, actually an up close and personal view of that next summer at the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee. Because the truth of the matter is, I, I still believe that this is a a centrist country. country. I, I think it happens to be center right, but okay, maybe a little bit center left. If the Democrats, in my opinion, nominate some whacked out socialist. Well, then what I think you're going to have happen is you're going to see this silent majority of people that's out there who might not like aspects of the president, might not like the drama aspects, and they're going to rally around him because we're we're not ready to uh, essentially say that, okay, we're going to do away with the capitalist system and we want the government to run all this stuff. I don't think that's where the vast majority of Americans are. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. On the other hand, if you find a center-left Democrat, somebody in the mold of Bill Clinton or something like that, and of the different candidates, it seems to me Biden is the closest. Well, then you've got a completely different dynamic that's out there. So that's the first question. Do the Democrat and, and right now, I mean, everybody's going after Joe Biden. Everybody's going after Joe Biden. He's too old. He's too white. He's too male. He's n- too moderate. We don't want, you know, him. We want somebody, you know, else that, that's that's out there to, you know, be the standard bearer. He's the past. Well, okay. I don't know for sure, and I'm not ready to make a prediction right now about what what happens with Biden. I do believe Biden's the most formidable candidate to take on Trump, uh, but you know, time will tell. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Big doings on the south side. Big doings in Oak Creek this weekend. And I, I understand we got the Paul McCartney concert going on at Lambeau Field and all sorts of the brewers are in town playing the Pirates and things like that. But um, here, you know, down uh, south Milwaukee, Oak Creek, you've got the... Uh, You've got Crusher Fest that is going to be on going on. The statue of, I don't know, Milwaukee's own Crusher is going to be unveiled 3 p.m. June 8th with uh, various speakers. There's going to be an opportunity to watch live wrestling, etc., etc. So Crusher Fest going on in South Milwaukee this weekend, uh, 11 to 9 on June 8th and 1030 to 5 on June 9th. 
free admission. So there you go, Bruce. I, I, I'm just not going to be able to do it because I got the McCartney concert and then I've got stuff on Sunday as well. But you know, you can go out and check out Crusher Fest, take some pictures and report back. So there you, there you go. He laughs. Hey, this is going to be one of these interesting things uh, that I, you know, it's real interesting because Illinois is about ready to legalize recreational use of marijuana, which would make us kind of an island because, you know, Michigan has legalized the recreational use of marijuana, as is uh, Minnesota. So starting January 1st, you know, people from Wisconsin can drive to Illinois and can purchase marijuana. And under certain circumstances, you know, you you, you can smoke it and then presumably get in their cars and and drive back. So you're going to have people wanting to go to Illinois for that. The other interesting thing, though, is... Yeah, you, you can't drive from Illinois to Wisconsin and legally purchase pot, but there are going to be certain incentives to travel from Illinois to Wisconsin. The Illinois legislature, and Illinois is just a financial train wreck. It, it just is. And so they're looking at all sorts of ways to increase increase taxes on citizens, and then bring figure out extra ways to bring in revenue, which is one of the reasons why they, they legalized sports betting. But here's one of the things that they have done. They have dramatically increased their gas tax. Their gas tax is now moving to, let's see, it's going to be, it, it's been 19 cents a gallon. Now, in Wisconsin, our gas tax is like 32 cents a gallon. Um, it's been 19 but um, starting July 1st, they're going to double that, so it's going to be $0.38 cents a gallon. So actually, you know, if you live on the Illinois-Wisconsin border and you decide to drive up to Wisconsin, you're probably going to get cheaper gas because at least you're going to save a nickel every gallon because the Illinois gas tax is going to be high. Similarly with cigarettes. Right now, the per pack tax on cigarettes in Wisconsin is, is I think it's $2.50 or $2.52, something like that. It's been a long, long, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say I never bought a pack of cigarettes, but it's a long time since I bought one. But it's around two fifty. Illinois has just increased their cigarette tax, so it's going to be almost $3 a, a pack. So one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch is whether, especially in the border communities, whether tax policy changes behavior. By by that I mean, you know, if you're a smoker, you know, you drive up to Wisconsin and, you know, you're probably going to be able to buy cigarettes cheaper than you are in Illinois because, again, the, the tax is going to be lower. You drive from Illinois up to Wisconsin and, at least from a pure tax perspective, you know, gas is probably going to be cheaper as well. Now, does that mean that somebody from southwestern Illinois is going to drive up to Wisconsin? No. But if you are on the border, now there's an incentive to, you know, come over and spend your money here, which is something that all of us who live in Wisconsin would welcome. Now, I do acknowledge that the flip side is from the perspective of people who want to get high, well, starting January 1st, you're going to be able to drive from Wisconsin to Illinois, and you're going to be able to do that. So maybe it's all going to come out in the end. But if you do live in northern Illinois and you're looking to save a little money on gasoline or on cigarettes, not that I'm encouraging you to smoke cigarettes, but if you do, um, I think you're going to probably find better deals because of the tax policy here in Wisconsin. All right. I am curious to discuss this with you. I have an acquaintance who his his child, doesn't matter whether it's a boy or girl, 
kid uh, got out of college, I'd say three or four years ago, and has been on. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the male pronoun. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a male, but just for sake of of reference, um, he, he the kid the young man has been on his own for the last couple years. Uh, he's lived in an apartment with a roommate. You know, got an okay job, but it's it's kind of just an okay job, trying to save money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, his roommate just announced that he was moving out. So the the young man, his job, he could probably pay to keep the apartment, but he's kind of reluctant to do that. He could probably probably go find another apartment that maybe was a little cheaper or something, but he's reluctant to do that. So what he tells my friend is that he wants to move back home. And, you know, parents still live in the house the kid grew up in. He's been out for, like I say, out of college for four or five years. He says, Dad, Mom, I want to move back home. I want to... I want to have my old room back, etc. And so my acquaintance says, well, okay, I, we talked about it. My wife and I talked about it. And, you know, and we decided that, that that's okay. The room's there. And, you know, we can, it'll, it'll help him out. You know, he's not going to have to pay, you know, for the apartment and stuff like that. Plus, we'd like to have him here. But here was the question. My friend says to me, what we're, our, what we're trying to figure out is if we let our son move back in, should we charge him rent? And they said, look, he, I mean, it's, it's not that, I mean, he's got a job. So, I mean, he, he could he could pay rent if he wanted to pay rent. I mean, it's not like there's there's no ability to do that. So the question becomes, all right, do you, if you've got the adult kid who's who's working and I'm I'm I understand that there there's situations maybe where you know somebody's lost their job and they don't they're you know they're not gainfully employed or whatever and they don't have ability to do that but you know my buddy is talking about okay this is what my wife and I are discussing our child who's you know been on been on his own had an apartment his roommate's now moved out he's decided he's not going to try to find another roommate and and he just to save money he wants to move back home do do you charge the kid rent 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess on the one hand, you could argue, and my as my friend said, we, we don't need the money. It's not like it, it, it's not like we're you know, we need the money. We got plenty of money and we've got the space and we love our son and we're glad to have him back. So that's the one hand. On the other hand, I mean the the kid could afford to pay rent and if mom and dad weren't around you know, he, he'd be living in an apartment somewhere, and I think the issue that my friend was talking about and his wife was talking about was, all right, do we, in, you know, we, we, we want to encourage a degree of financial responsibility, and by not charging him some rent, are we essentially enabling him? Okay, 414-799-1620, what do you do in this situation? And if you've been in this situation, how have you handled it? We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, in the scenario we're discussing, a number of people are texting in asking two questions. First, does does the adult parent, if the child moves back in with them, um, does the adult parent need the kid to pay rent? Do they need the money? No, the, the person doesn't need the money. Secondly, does the kid have money? Yeah, the kid's working, and the kid was the kid was an, um, out had an apartment that he was sh- uh, living with somebody else. The roommate left, and now he's decided rather than trying to find another roommate or a cheaper apartment, just wants to move back in. Yes, it's, it's not like a situation where the kid has lost his job. The kid's continuing to work. He could pay rent.
parent if mom and dad asked him to. How do you handle it, parents? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jill in Kenosha. Hi, Jill. Hi. What do you think? How do you? I'm well, thank you. What do you do in a situation like this? What we did, my son was kind of in the same situation, and what we did is we just charged him minimum rent. I think it was 200 a month, so he was still paying rent, but he still had a few chores he had to do around the house. Right. So we took that $200, and we put it in a separate account. So then when he did save enough money and get back out on his own, we gave him the money. Okay. Did he know you were doing that, or was it a surprise no. to him? Okay. No, it was a total <laughs> surprise. So he bought, ended up buying a house. And we wrote him out a check, I think it was for like $1,800 by that time. Sure. And he ended up, so he could go buy a lawnmower and some, you know, a couch and stuff like that. So he had just extra money to do that with. How long did he end up living with you? Uh, I want to say 16 months. Okay. So it wasn't five or 10 years. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't long. And he did work his little butt off to get out on his own. Right. Right, right, right. So it was a deal where you were you were helping him out, but it, it wasn't like you figured that he was going to be there for a decade or anything like that. Right. No, we knew he was going to be out sooner or later. Good enough. Okay. No, no thanks for calling. No, well, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I think that's a legitimate thing, too. I mean, I think it is kind of a factor. It's like, okay, is, this, is it a short-term arrangement? And you can define short-term however you want. Or is this, okay, well, all right, you're 24 now or you're 25 now. And, you know, 20 years from now, are you going to be 45 and still living in the room? Brad and Mequon. Brad, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. I would have done the exact same thing, but I would charge him the same amount of rent that he's currently paying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and then would you, would, you tell him, would you tell him that you were doing, that you were saving it for him, or would you let that be a surprise? No, I would let it be a surprise. I don't want him to think that, though, it's just savings and then maybe not pay months or two here and there right 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 uh, yeah um why 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 would you charge him the dough in the first place e- even even if you know you're going to give it if you if you know you're going to give it back why would you take the money from him in the first place well he's going to be paying a rent or a mortgage for the majority of the rest of his life he needs right. to learn how to budget and continue to save right. those good saving skills right okay so it's 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 a way of like tr- tr- i mean training him for the real world in other words Absolutely. Got it. Okay, thanks for the call. No, I appreciate that. Uh, Bob in Berlin. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my yes, call on your show. Thank you, sir. I was selling your screener back in 2016. Same situation. Stepdaughter, son-in-law moved in with us. He lost his job. You do anything you can to help family out. And unfortunately, they had to move back in with us uh, in January of this year. And he did land a job, and now he's making as much as my wife and myself, so we are charging them rent until they can save enough money up to get their own place. Okay. And why are you doing that? Charging the rent? Yeah. Well, because I, we feel that they can afford to do that, and yeah. some people are like, well, instead of them giving you the money, why don't they use that towards an apartment of their own? Again, we're helping them also to kind of save a little extra money. Right, yeah, and your your pro- my guess is my guess is the deal they're getting by staying at your place is probably for the money it's probably a better situation than they yeah. could find if they yeah. were out on the street. Yeah. And yeah. again, you you do what you can for family, so Well, sure. Know, that's kind of the bottom line. No, thanks for call. I, absolutely. I guess I, that that would kind of be my reaction 
as well. And this story is kind of funny because there's a big story in the in the Wall Street Journal about this the other day too, called "Charging Rent When Your Adult Kid Adult Child Moves Home." I think there's a couple different scenarios here that, that are kind of fact dependent. Obviously, if your son or daughter has had they've lost their job and that they can't afford to live anywhere else, well, okay, then. Then I mean I don't know. Do you say okay? I, then I then I don't think you go and you say you, you pay rent. In the scenario I laid out, though, where the the kid is capable of living somewhere else, and as a matter of fact, has lived somewhere else for a couple of years, and now it's just a situation of where well, I don't want to find another roommate. Um, I I want to move back in. You know, if if you get along well with your child and you don't mind having the the child there for a while, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. But I do think, and this is what I told my friend, I said, of course you charge rent. You know, and again, it's a market type of thing. And maybe if you want to give them a discount, number one, you charge rent. And number two, I would say that, you know, since you're not running a hotel, I would imagine that you would expect your your child to, um, again, perform some you know chores around the house you know do do some do some stuff to, to help with it and again to me if you've got the ability to pay I, I think that that's I think that's the case and I'm not saying that parents gouge them but anyhow I, I, I told actually I told my buddy I, I'll, I'll talk about this on the radio my advice was exactly what a number of you said that I, I said well I, I would if they can afford to pay I charge them some rent now some of you are better people than I am because I didn't think of the idea of well save it in a separate account and, and give it back <laughs> to them but I mean I guess there's nothing wrong with that as well this is interesting because this is becoming more and more commonplace in in, in variations I mean it's not necessarily that the roommate moves out, but sometimes it's people lose their job, or sometimes people move out, the kids move out, and you know they get in financially over their heads with the whole idea of the student debt and stuff like that, and so this is where they, they, they end up back at home. And again, if you've got a good relationship with your parents, I, I think that that's absolutely tremendous, but I don't think there's anything wrong, and I don't think mom and dad should feel guilty at all for charging some rent if that's the way they decide to go. All right, when we come back, We're going to find out what John McCure and Melissa Barkley have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.